The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Marty Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about employment privacy. And, you know, there are so many people that are listening in that are either employers who are driving by or students at the university who work or people who are about to graduate who are employees. And, of course, employees who are listening in. So this is really a a wonderful opportunity to find out what's going on in privacy and what your rights are and what your obligations are. Let me tell you about our wonderful guest, who I've been so pleased to to know on the State Bar uh, Committee, Executive Committee that I sat on with him, that I continue to sit on with him, and now he's an advisor to the Law Practice Management and Technology Committee of the State Bar uh, section of the bar. And so let me just tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Neil Pedersen is the principal of Pedersen Law and Irvine litigation firm. And the firm presently employs four attorneys dedicated to representing individuals and entities in employment, insurance, and business litigation matters. He has served as an executive committee member and chair of the Orange County Bar Association's insurance law and and solo and small practice, small firm practice at sections. Neil is also a fee arbitrator and a mediator with the Orange County Bar Association Mandatory Fee Arbitration Committee, and he presently is in his second year as a special advisor to the executive committee of the State Bar Law Practice Management and Technology Section. And before that, he served for three years as a very active, wonderful member of the executive committee. He is also an adjunct faculty member at Western State College of Law teaching employment law, and he has also co-created and teaches the school's first law practice management and technology course. You can learn more about him at privacypiracy.org where you'll see his picture, his bio, and we link to his URL, which is PedersonLaw.com, and that's spelled P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N-Law.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Neil. Oh, you bet, Maury. Thank you. It's always wonderful to talk to you and see you, and I know you're doing such great work. In fact, I think you remember when we did that uh, privacy uh, booklet, uh, and you included a, a wonderful article for us on employment privacy and privacy. So let's talk a little bit bit about 
Do employments actually employees have any real rights to privacy in the workplace? Well, to give you the classic lawyer answer, yes and no. <laughs> uh, and what I mean by that is uh, there are certain uh, rights granted to all people in California. First, under the California Constitution, Article One, Section One of the California Constitution says that all people are by nature free and independent and have inalienable rights. And among those inalienable rights is pursuing and obtaining privacy. Right. So there is the constitutional right. There's a common law right as well. And then finally, there are several statutes that give statutory rights to certain aspects of our lives uh, for the privacy within those, such as, uh, for instance, in, in the area of medical privacy, the uh, confidential uh, Confidentiality of Medical Information Act uh, is one that uh, requires that employers, for instance, instance, that if they receive any medical information, then they have to establish appropriate procedures to ensure confidentiality and make sure nobody finds out about that medical information or uses that information. So there are those rights to privacy, but ultimately everything comes down to this idea of a reasonable expectation of privacy. And if you have the reasonable expectation of privacy, those rights are generally going to be protected. The problem is is that employers, and I say a problem, I'll tell everybody my bias, I am an employee side attorney, and I represent employees against employers for the most part. And what employers have a great deal of power to destroy the reasonable expectation of privacy by simply placing the employees on notice that, by the way, what you're doing here and here and here will not be private. We will look into these things. Right. And so um, many aspects of what employees might think would be private are not so because the employer has legitimately destroyed the expectation of privacy. Now, there are certain things that are so inherently private that the employer cannot invade, um, the naked body, for instance, uh, if the, the, the employer cannot put up, you know, cameras in a, a dressing room or a restroom, and in many respects, things related to your sex life or your medical condition are off limits to an employer. But otherwise, the employer can basically tell the employee this can't be private, and it therefore is not. And Neil, don't they have to put that in like an employee handbook and make sure that there is what we would call reasonable notice, right? Reasonable notice, absolutely. Now, it doesn't have to be in a handbook, but it can be through emails or can be through uh, uh, safety meeting announcements. Uh, But what the employer has to do is to prove that they gave the employees reasonable notice that that particular aspect of what they're doing in the workplace uh, is not, uh, they, they could not have a reasonable expectation of privacy in doing that. Right. And wouldn't you, like for those employers driving by, uh, wouldn't you advise them that the smartest thing to do is to put it in writing for sure? <laughs> a- absolutely. Uh, for employers should have it a very clear uh, portion of their employee handbook about what is not considered to be uh, private in the workplace. And we'll probably throughout this discussion uh, talk about the some of the things that an employer can do. The more they're getting into an area where the employee would reasonably think it's private, the more right. important it is that the employer clearly disclose in writing to the employee that it isn't if the employer wants to feel comfortable that it would not face some kind of an invasion of privacy 
claim from the employee. Exactly, exactly. Now, is an employee's right to privacy in the workplace different if they work for government versus whether they work for a private entity? Yes, um, and in fact, since we're speaking to perhaps employees of uh, of a state uh, uh, institution, uh, government employers are subject to United States constitutional protections that private employee employers would not be subject to. In other words, when it comes to privacy, this usually comes up in terms of a concept that you usually hear about on law and order on television, the area of uh, criminal law and procedure, uh, and that is search and seizure. Right. You know, a private employer can basically uh, search through somebody's desk, and as long as there has not been uh, uh, some, you know, like a locked drawer of something like that, the employer can get away with searching through the, em- the employee's uh, workspace. Government Considering that it's their own property, right? If it's, you yeah. know, it's the, it's the employer's property, and that's what they get that from, right? Yes, and, and oftentimes a, a smart employer will have something in the handbook that says your desk is not, you should not have an expectation of privacy in the drawers of your desk, and don't lock the drawers in your desk, don't bring anything into the office that you don't want us to see, that kind of a thing. Right. Uh, in a government setting, uh, the rules of search and seizure under the, the Fourth Amendment uh, uh, apply. And so the government employer has to uh, uh, then a- apply a, a different and higher standard to whether or not they're entitled to, to say, search through an employee's drawers or something like that, because the constitutional provisions apply. Outside of the area of privacy, there are other protections as well, like due process comes into play at, with a government employer uh, and not a private employer. So um, but yes, uh, in terms of privacy, this rule of search and seizure really elevates the standards that an employer has to, uh, to you know, the hoops they have to jump through before they're entitled to do a search, uh, as that might be defined under the Constitution. Right, right. So let me ask you a specific question about how uh, how far an employer can go to delve into the private activities. For example, can an employer legally, secretly video its employees in the workplace? Can it be secret that they have, and, and I'm not talking about the bathrooms, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about um, through the hallways and, and maybe looking down at the desk. Can they do that? Absolutely. Uh, it is perfectly acceptable for an employer in California to secretly video uh, employees in the public spaces of the workplace. And that includes a camera trained directly down on their computer, mm-hmm. uh, any, any place in the workplace other than those that would be considered a private place, uh, such as a bathroom, a changing room, things like that. The, the, the real limitation there is if there are portions of the office that may be used uh, uh, where the um, an employee may be using it in part for private reasons. There's a case that came down from the California Supreme Court a couple of years ago uh, related to uh, uh, some ladies that have private offices with their doors that would were able to close, and they would use their office to change into, I believe it was running gear or something, where they would run on their lunch hour or something. So they were uh-huh. changing clothes in their office. And the employer had installed uh, video into the office uh, because there, there had been some evidence that the computers in some of the offices had been used in the evening to access certain porn sites. 
The employer, though, made sure to only have the video running in the evening after the employees, the, the basic employees, had gone home. And they, by the way, found that it was part of the cleaning crew at night that was in, involved in the uh, ah. unauthorized use of the computers. Right. But the, the lady sued, claiming invasion of privacy because they had put cameras in the office, offices where they had been changing clothes. And the employer knew they were changing clothes there? Yeah, because it was one of their regular activities that Uh they did. uh Now, now, basically what the court said was that they they did have a reasonable expectation of privacy in their office behind closed doors to be able to uh, disrobe and change into running clothes or out of them, but that there was not a violation in this case because the mere existence of a camera was not an invasion of privacy and since the cameras were turned off, it was not, uh, they in fact had not been, uh, their privacy had not been invaded. But uh, had, for instance, that employer just kept the cameras rolling and they were recording 24 hours a day, there would have been a legitimate invasion of privacy case. So the, the employers have to be careful that if they're going to have secret video running in the office, they need to consider what they know about the employee activities and what goes on behind the closed doors that if there are reasonable uses that could be uh, private and the employee would think there's an expectation of privacy, uh, they would uh, they need to be careful there. Now, if they had simply told these ladies, by the way, we're putting cameras in your office uh, and you should not have an expectation of privacy behind your closed doors, that would have been enough to prevent uh, any kind of a claim of invasion of privacy, even under those circumstances. Right, right. Well, when we talk about secretly, does that mean that um, would it be the right thing for an employer to do is to put in the handbook, we may be uh, videotaping you in the public areas, in the public uh, parts of the office, and um, and we aren't going to tell you where, but we may be doing that. Is that something that they should be doing rather Rather than making it entirely secret, it's almost like you know when when you're on the phone <laughs> with someone, they tell you this may be you know uh, recorded for for quality services or something. Right. right. I mean, is that a good thing for an employer to do? Yes. If you're talking about what are best practices, mm-hmm. what will, what is the what would an should an employer do if they want to avoid avoid any possible problem? Right. Uh, it makes great sense to have a handbook that has, as I said, a whole section in there about uh, expectation of privacy and to just stay, say in there that, you know, we were reserved the right to and we may or we do from right. time to time or right. we always do right. uh, record in the in public places of the workspace. And then you've, you've clearly created a situation where there, nobody can claim I had a, a reasonable expectation of privacy. But the law does not require that if, in fact, it, it's, you know, it could be clearly public places, the break right. room, the copy room, the hallways, the right. reception area, things like that. Right, right. I just think that since we have people who are employees and employers going by, I think we need to help both sides understand how they can, number one, avoid this kind of... Uh, issue and also how they can protect themselves either way right and and also just have that notice you know just being if if you're on notice of something then and you violate something then um then you know then you have to suffer the consequences employees have a responsibility to know what the expectations are too absolutely sure yeah so let's talk about emails i know a lot of employees use their the computers of their, you know, uh, of their employer uh, to to send emails. Sometimes they have the emails 
um, that they send from their home. In other words, they have a laptop that the company has issued them to get onto the intranet, for example. Mm -hmm. So what about privacy with regard to those kinds of email messages that they're using the computers of their employer? Here's a, a very good, simple rule that employees need to understand. Nothing is private on company equipment. Right. All right. Now, a good, prudent employer will, again, disclose to the employees from the outset, probably in the handbook, also probably in other reminders, that nothing is private on company equipment. But when you're using the company equipment, and that can be, you know, computers, tablets, phones, you name it, when it's company equipment, it belongs to the company. Right. And likely the Internet service and the server belong to the company or are under the control of the company. And when you engage in any kind of private activity on the company's equipment, you're opening yourself up to, um, to intrusion into those, those, into even very intimately private conversation. In fact, a couple of years ago, the uh, California Supreme Court, again, spoke up on this issue. And uh, a, um, a, an employee was having problems with their supervisor and uh, wrote an email to an attorney and was communicating back and forth by email with the attorney about the problems and how should she handle it and, and that kind of a thing. And, and uh, the Supreme Court said the attorney-client communication privilege was waived because the, the employee was communicating with her attorney on the company's computer using the company server. Yeah. And so even though, you know, you know how... Uh, attorney-client privilege is very strong, yeah. Right, right. But in that circumstance, the employee waived the privilege by uh, using the company computer for those communications. And so... Uh, the best advice that I can give any employee out there is do not in any way communicate with uh, in using private or with you know any private communication should be done on your own devices, not on the the company's devices. Now, employers have great leeway here. For instance, I am personally aware of several employers that have keystroke software on the computers that their employees use. Right, right. And keystroke software means if you go on your lunch hour, you use the company computer to access your bank to uh, check out your uh, your balance, balance. Uh-huh. and you put in your password, you're handing your password over to people that, you know, should be uh, safeguarding it, but, you know, nobody wants to hand over passwords to right. uh, to, to anyone. And so uh, keystroke software, generally my advice to employers there is if you're going to use something as, as um, secret as keystroke software, you better put it in the manual. You're going to make it very clear. Again, destroy any expectation of privacy Tell the employees, don't use your personal, your, your office computer for personal uh, efforts or activities uh, because we may or we do use keystroke uh, monitoring software. But again, you know, they can, have a, they can have a camera down on the keyboard and see exactly what you're typing in. Um, really, you should expect that except for those very intimate areas of your life, there is no real uh, you should have no real expectation of privacy in the workplace to do private things when you're sitting at your desk at the office or sitting at home using an office laptop. 
Right, right. You know, and as there are many companies that issue like a smartphone to their executives and those executives, I know several executives and, and friends of mine that are that are top people in the Federal Trade Commission, they carry two phones with them all the time. Mm-hmm. One and and they don't want to get mixed up. So one will they'll have a uh, an Android and then they'll have an iPhone. <laughs> So they don't yeah. get confused because they have to carry two because they they have no expectation of privacy on their other phone. It's, and it's a very good practice, as as funny as it sounds, but it's an, a very good practice. If you want to have privacy in your life, you want to stay you know off the grid, and you don't want the employer to have any of this kind of information. You really need to not use the employer-provided devices for any aspect of your personal life. Exactly, exactly. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about about the mobile phone. Let's say an employee has his or her own mobile phone. They have their own. They bought it themselves. It doesn't belong to them, but they are using their mobile phone for work, or they're using their mobile phone. Um, to have private messages, can the employer actually ask to look at that mobile phone and the text and and examine it? Well, that's that becomes a, a gray area because the employer, if the employee is using the mobile phone for work purposes, uh-huh. even though it's their own mobile phone, right? Uh, the employee has uh, the right, and the employer has a legal obligation to pay for a portion of that phone's usage to the extent that it was used for work purposes. So Mm. if the employee uses their own personal phone, uh, say, a quarter of the time for work purposes, they can turn a bill into the employer every month and say, please pay a quarter of my monthly charge for this phone, and the employer is legally obligated to do so. Uh However, then... (laughs) They open up themselves, don't they, then? (laughs) Yes, yes. And so, again, what we were saying earlier... The best practice is to, if you truly want to keep things separate, you need to do business on a business phone, personal on a personal phone. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, does the employer then get to look at every single intimate thing placed on your, you know, all your pictures and everything else on your phone? Uh, no, no, but the employer certainly would have an, uh, the right to be able to, for instance, get a copy of all of the texts. Uh, and any of the emails or anything else that are on there that are work-related, and especially if we're talking about when the employee leaves the employee of this employer. Right. Uh, employers always want the employees to disclose and purge or turn over uh, anything work-related on any of the electronics, and at that point in time, uh, it may well be that the employee would be required to turn over the phone to make sure that all of that has been taken off, so again, if you don't want the employer to have any access to what's on your phone, it's better to not use your phone for work. Or if the employer is not providing a phone and you have to have a phone for work, have a separate phone you use only for work and yeah. then have a phone that you use for personal. And then you don't ever have, the employer never gets to cross that line. Right. Let me ask you one little question, though, to clarify. So if if I use my own phone for my, you know, to do some work for my employer, um, and I don't ask for the money to pay for part of it. Does that shield me from having to share that uh, mobile phone if I've done some work on that mobile phone? Well, the pay no, because no. the paying of the money is not the the trigger. Okay. The idea is the employer gets a right to uh, to copy copies of or to see right those things that are on your phone that are work related. Okay. Okay. Right, because. 
presumably you've been paid for that work, right. uh, and they have the right and the duty to, for instance, produce documents in litigation, maintain certain records, uh, depending on what kind of information's on the phone. Uh, and so you can't, you, you, the employer has to have the ability to get to those particular documents. Now, uh, that doesn't give them the right to then, like I said, look through all your pictures right. and, and, and things like that. Right. But if they're looking through all your emails, they might see something else that they shouldn't be seeing. Right. So, right. so you're absolutely making a very good point, which is how my friends that are top people have two different phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how about social media posts? Those, you know, especially if they're public and they aren't private, can an employer uh, ask for uh, a pass? Word or a way or to become friends on Facebook or you know Instagram or something. I mean, do they have a right to look at these social media posts or ask for passwords if if there is a prospective employee or if you work for somebody? Uh, no, and that's a, that's a clear no because uh, a couple of years ago the California Legislature passed uh, a law which now is entitled Labor Code Section Nine Eighty. Uh, that prohibits employers from seeking from employees or any applicants um, any of their usernames or passwords for their personal social media accounts. And the employer can't even require the employees or applicants to access their social media in their presence. So basically, um, they basically have said the employer doesn't get to go that far. Now, if the employer learns of information on the social media, uh, it can, you know, act in certain ways, uh, but it can't, uh, you know, upfront say, sh- show us your social media or give us access to your social media, which prior to the enactment of Labor Code Section 980, employers were starting to do that because, frankly, <laughs> people do some pretty crazy things on Facebook and, and, and the like. Uh, and it I, can remember, I remember the, uh, the issue with the flight attendant, remember? that I was doing provocative pictures on, I don't oh, remember, Delta yeah. Airlines or something. Remember that one? It was several mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, em- there, employers have legitimate interest to know about the, for instance, the applicants that they have or, or some of the employees. And if it discloses that they maintain uh, offensive um, uh, discriminatory attitudes or, or things of that sort or may maybe have, uh, you know, problems with alcohol or drugs, mm-hmm. you, uh, employers have a legitimate interest in knowing that about applicants or employees. But what the legislature is basically saying is you're not going to find out about it through uh, through Facebook. Um, uh, and so the problem with that law is that it still has no penalty involved. So even if an employer does it, it you know, there's no penalty right now uh, written into the law that says, okay, now that you've done it, employer, this is the penalty that will be uh, imposed upon you. But uh, uh, I think the legislature is going to work on that eventually. So are you saying there's no private right of action for that? At this point, that's correct. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about um, listening in on an employee's phone calls uh, yeah. that they make at the office. What about that one? Well, you know, generally, uh, since we're in California, we're going to talk about California law, but I'll just say there's a big difference between here in California and most of the rest of the country. Right, because right. Because here in California, we have a... Um, uh, a, a privacy law that's uh, embodied in uh, Penal Code Section 632. It's called the California Privacy Act. And 
the California Privacy Act uh, prevents uh, anyone from listening in, they call it eavesdropping, or recording a conversation that, that um, one of the parties doesn't know. Right, so both parties have to agree to it. Right, or at least have to know. They have to consent. And if right, they, right. So that's why when you get these phone calls and they <coughs> say this call will be monitored for quality assurance, right. uh, they're basically saying we're telling you this is being recorded so we're not violating the California Privacy Act. Right. Uh, so and by the way, if you get that, your option is to simply hang up at that point because if you keep uh, engaging <laughs> in the phone call, you're consenting. Right. <laughs> but uh, employees uh, oftentimes will be on, you know, a side of that phone call uh, that is being called up. Maybe it's a bill collector or maybe it's just somebody trying to sell you something. Uh, and if the employee knows it's being recorded, it's not a violation of their privacy because they know about the call. Right. Uh, the problem arises when there is somebody listening in on an employee call and the employee doesn't know about it. Right. And that would be a violation of the uh, California Privacy Act if, in fact, the employer has failed to put the employee on notice. Now, there, there, is, there are some exceptions to the rule, and, and uh, it would be pretty complicated for us to get into it right now. Right. But, but the, the smart thing for employers to do, and therefore most of the time this is what they do, is they simply put in the handbook or in some type of an official written notice, your calls will be monitored from time to time for training purposes or whatever, and it then eliminates the expectation of privacy by the employee. Well, that's perfect to to end. I wish we could talk all day because you are just wonderful. What a great deal of really important information. I'm just going to give your website, and then it's time to go. Okay. It's Pedersen Law, P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N, law.com, and you can find out a lot more at his website. Thank you so much, Neil, and we will speak with you again, okay? Great. Thanks, Mari. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI. 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the net. Join us every Monday morning at 8 and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.